Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Hey everyone, welcome back to Seeking Witchcraft. I'm your host, Ashley, and today I have on a special co-host, Wayne Brecky, author of The Complete Guide to Runes. Welcome, Wayne, to the show. Can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Well, yes. Hey, thanks for having me on today. Of course. Uh, Yeah, Wayne Brecky is the name, and I'm a rune reader, a rune reader, a rune weaver, I also call it. Uh, I do a lot of things, actually. But mainly, uh, this past year, I had that book come out, The Complete Guide to Runes from Callisto. And yeah, I do clinics, I do workshops. And I also do different events and things like that for reading runes, teach classes on runes, teach classes on making bind runes and things like that, among a billion other things that I do as well. So <laughs> it's one of them, but uh, yeah. Awesome. So I guess we should start with the overarching question for those who don't know. So what are runes? Like, hmm. what exactly is this form of divination? Uh, well, actually, uh, runes have been around for, of course, like 5,000 years. They've traveled all around the world before they kind of settled into what we know now, Scandinavia, Germany, and Sweden, and, and, and whatnot, Norway, and all that. But runes, as for divination, are, to me, the most versatile tools in, in divination. And also, it's a modern practice. So divination with runes pretty much came around in the 70s, 60s, late 60s and 70s, the popularity of tarot. And so the runes that I use are called the Elder Futhark, and it is a set of 24 runes. So it's pretty much like the same sort of divination practice as, say, a tarot or anything else. that use bones and, and artifacts. But for runes, yeah, they, each one, it's an alphabet for the most part. And each, each symbol has a distinct meaning. As it, it has a, a general meaning, and then it has an expanded meaning, depending on how it's laid out with the other runes. But once you lay them all out and you do the divination... Uh, it's much similar to tarot, but it gives you a nice uh, past, present, future, and guidance. I found runes to be incredibly accurate if the rune reader can can get into them and also get into working with the client. They they can be extremely accurate, and I use them for all sorts of different things. We write them on our hands. We, you know, we make bind runes and carry them around as sigils. So yeah, I, I like rune. I got into runes because it was a uh, to me it was the most. I was a very creative person, so I liked drawing out the symbols and I liked doing all those things. So. Uh, yeah, so it was a, it was something that I never got into tarot so much, but I did latch on to runes right away. So that was what I was supposed to do in this lifetime. <laughs> so you mentioned that you work with the Elder Futhark. Am I saying that mm-hmm. right? Okay, right. perfect. So uh, I guess, are there different types of runes? Kind of like with tarot, there's like the Rider Waite versus like, God, mm-hmm. I'm going to butcher this name, like the, the Thoth. The, the mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I don't, i'm not sure how to say it but is it kind of the same with runes like different versions of the same tool if that makes sense kind of yeah i mean as far as tarot goes you can have it's the same if it's a tarot deck it's the same number of cards and the same values meanings just the illustrations and the theme are different so you can get everything from a fairy deck a, to a tupac shakur deck i mean i've seen it so you know hocus pocus deck and whatever oh, yeah. the flavor but the meanings for the tarot cards are, are all the same in that, unless they're oracle cards and then they can expand. So for runes, they're typically the ones you can buy and the ones that we use for divination are the Elder Futhark. And you can have runes out of pretty much anything. You can make them. You can make them out of wood. You can purchase them in wood. I've got wood, uh, clay, resin, stone, metal runes. So you can, the, the materials that they're made of and the shapes that you make this rune staves out of or, or find them. Uh, can be a lot of different things, but the uh, but the general the futhark will still have the core meanings and it's still twenty four runes. And if you use the weird rune, the blank rune, uh, it's not really a rune; it's a stave, a blank stave. Uh, that'll add it, bring it up to twenty five. So you had mentioned this phrase or this word bind runes. Can you? Mm-hmm. So I don't know too much about runes. Um, I've wanted to get into using them, but I I still haven't found my way to my local metaphysical shop to go pick up a pack. So. Eventually, probably after this episode, I'm going to go do that. So <laughs> I have right. a whole bunch of questions about runes. But but yes, this this phrase you use, bind runes, like what does that mean? Well, a bind rune is, I, I like them a lot. And I like to, well, the reason why I call myself a, a rune weaver is because I like to weave 
runes into a lot of different spiritual and metaphysical practices. I'm not just a um, Norse or nothing kind of person. I don't attach myself to any of that. So bind runes, when I was working with those, those are a really easy way for anybody to create a spell and or a sigil. I guess in, you know, in witchcraft, you would call it a spell sigil kind of thing. But you take multiple runes, say maybe three you have a you say you have a you want to get a bind rune to take with you on a trip a travel trip so you would start with Redho, which is the looks like an r and it, then you would add on say something because that's a nice travel rune then you would add on say you want happiness already so Redho kind of has per throw in it so you can combine number of different runes together to make a single sigil and you can write your name in it like that way or you can just pick a few core runes that you want to represent your intention. So if I'm traveling, I'm going to pick Redho and maybe uh, maybe Perthro, maybe um, get something for vitality, maybe Uruz. And so you take those three symbols and you write them out and then you start to combine them, overlapping them. You'll see that when you start doing that, the runes are already, there's more runes than you intended and that's that's really good. And then you take that, you can write that out on paper, you can carve it into wood, uh, you can just write it on your hand and, you know, things like that. Bind runes can be used for many different things. You can make sigils and things to take with you. Uh, and a lot of times I, I think I tell it in the book that you get to, uh, if you're making a bind rune as a sigil that you're carrying for a big trip or whatnot, and it's for yourself, then what I do is uh, would wrap them up. Of course, there's a way to, to wrap them and consecrate them. Then you wrap them with cord. Then you let them cook overnight, is like I said, on your altar. And when you open it up and breathe life into them, it, be, it becomes activated. So... There's lots of fun ways to use runes in art, and, and, and they're very creative as far as putting those together and being able to use them on a daily basis, even if you're not reading for others or yourself. I'm glad you mentioned that because my next question was going to be, with these sigils that you're making from the bind runes, is this something that you have to like activate in some way, or can you just draw out the sigil and be like, there it is, <laughs> like with centuries of power that are just behind these symbols, or or do you really yeah. need to kind of like do something to get it going? Well, it, it depends on where you're at in your practice. A lot of times, the reason why we do spell work and rituals because it really reinforces that intention. And for some people, if they're not necessarily doing it as a career for for every day, you're going to want, you know, a little, little more uh, intentional oomph helps. Uh, can you make a bind rune and just write it with Sharpie on your hand and hope that works? Yeah, if you put the proper intention into it and you're confident with it and you just, you know, you know that's fine. But yeah, I like the I like the ritual part of it because I really do feel it, it offers a little more oomph, uh, power and intention. So when you're doing something where it has to sit overnight and you're incorporating your altar with it, you're incorporating different um, methods of binding together or wrapping it to try and like in a cocoon to try and get it to uh, to activate and come to life. That is a uh, to me it uh, it puts in your own subconscious and higher self some power and energy for that that object to work. I mean, like we pick up a lucky penny every day. Everybody does witchcraft. You pick a, you find a penny, you pick it up. That's right there is the same intention. You're going to pick that up and you put it in your pocket and way back in the back of your mind, you're, you're, you're going to have this little slight sliver of belief that that was a lucky thing. You found money. And so to me, intention is everything. So the more you can incorporate ritual into your intentional items and works, uh, I think the more effective it is and the more you'll feel that it's effective. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I think that, that the Lucky Penny story, I was kind of laughing at that. I have this thing, like, I, I don't know, when I was a kid, I used to hear about like, oh, well, if it's face down, it's either good luck or bad luck. And I heard it eat both ways. So now I'm at the point, I'm like, I just don't know if this penny is good or bad, but it's also right. just a penny, so free money. <laughs> right. And that's the other thing too. It's, there's a lot when it comes down to things like that, what you hear, what you're taught, what you what you truly buy into rather than believe, you know, that to me is... There, there's always going to be people that um, say, well, and especially with runes, but I'll tell you, there's people out there that say, don't use the weird rune, the blank rune. That was an invention by this guy. I didn't know what he was doing. And there's big controversy over it. Uh, there's people that say that you shouldn't buy runes because they won't work because they are not, they don't have that power. You should make them and blood them and all that. And, and to me, I live in a world, my world doesn't include that as a, as a fact as truth to me, everything is a modern practice when it comes to Nordic uh, stuff and runes uh, and things like that. So it's all about what you choose to believe in, in your own personal practice and, and what you, what, how you want your personal practice to go. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I always tell people to be cautious when people tell you this is how it should be done and the way you're doing it is wrong. I mean, yeah, unless it's obviously just not effective or dangerous <laughs> in some way or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, no, no, I, I totally get that. I think everyone's practice is their own and like their right. own personal journey of figuring that out. And whether there's something right or wrong, I think it's up for the practitioner to figure it out for themselves. If it, if it works, it works. And to me, that's the that's the main thing. My readings themselves, uh, no matter how I do them, are so accurate that I don't have any doubt anymore that it works and that they work or that I work. Again, runes are just the tools. It doesn't matter. If you can get a Hello Kitty tarot card deck, well, then runes can be made out of anything. But you, again, they're tools. You're the magic. So I always say the divination and divination and, and witchcraft is always your, those are tools. You are the one that is magic and you're the one that's making things happen. So you're that's the one that's going to true. So 100% agree with that. Yeah. Especially in this day. And I'll tell you what, if Vikings back then, Viking shamans had Dremel tools back then, they would use them. I guarantee it. <laughs> the fact that we have them now, <laughs> yes, I'm going to make them. No, I'm not going to bleed and blood them because, ouch, no, it hurts. <laughs> it makes me, you were talking about like a gifting or, or thing. Like it made me think of people saying, oh, you're not supposed to have a tarot deck unless somebody gifts it to you. And I mean, I haven't found a tarot deck dealer that just <laughs> gives away free right? deck. In my life, but I mean, that'd be great. But, you know, I, I feel like you kind of just got to figure it out for your own right. sometimes. Right. And it's to me, it's about there's there's a big controversy about tradition versus modern use or modern practices. So to me, I'm like, well, hey, if this is my life and I'm living it, I, I learn a lot and take that all in and try and use it as best I can. But, yeah, it's I don't know. I feel like it, it is all the tools I should be able to to write runes on Care Bears and toss them on the ground and read read right away. They always say that, you know, and that's the contradiction that you get a lot in witchcraft, in rune readings and, and everything. They say that, oh, they were used by shamans because they there's a, in the Eddas, they, they tell a, there's one little brief passage where somebody has cut off, you know, took a branch of the tree, they sliced it off, carved runes in it and tossed it and got their answer. And I'm like, well, right there shows that you should be able to write runes on a piece of paper, cut them out and do a divination reading right there. And then with those runes without having to consecrate them, without having to do anything. Uh, if you are an experienced and a practiced rune weaver, then you should be able to do this. So it's, yeah, I, I, I'm really glad that people are, you know, there's more people like you doing podcasts like this that are putting out some good information. And that's kind of like, Hey, let's all experience this together. Things have changed. Things are changing. And uh, opinions and practices are changing as all this comes into the mainstream a little bit more. Um, you see it every day that um, more and more people are starting to go a little bit more spiritual or they're going really religious. So either way, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a, always a, a growing practice. So you got to evolve with it. Thank you. I think that we do our best learning from not only like, you know, looking into things on our own, but I think just talking with other people too. I mean, with my podcast, I first started it just by myself talking about mm -hmm. some things that I knew. And then I kind of ran out of things. And I was like, well, I have friends in the community. Like, let's bring them in because people know things I have no idea about. Like, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on to talk about runes because I don't really know that much about runes. And so having this opportunity to just be able to discuss hey, this is what they are. This is the history. And, mm -hmm. and your book, of course, about them is great. And I learn a lot from all these episodes. So I love to right? read them. <laughs> no, I, I, that's, yeah, I think that's super smart. Uh, if you want to know something, go hang out with people that are doing it. And, you know, I used to have the same thing. It's kind of like you want to teach runes. You want to well, write a book about it. You want to, you're an artist and you, you want to learn more about art. We'll teach a class about it. And that's what they did when I first got into runes. I have a couple of friends that own metaphysical bookstores, crystal shops, things like that. And I started getting into runes and it was really early on into my thing. And I was really reluctant to read for other people because I do a lot of things an artist, musician, and all these other business owners and nerd, D&D &D guy. And I would think that people were just going to be like, oh, this is another thing Wayne's getting into. But uh, I've been into it all my life, but... The, it, it, when I first started, Kelly Miller, who uh, who's, she's a she's a psychic medium and she owns a, a shop called Awakenings, just and she had some extra class space and she's like, you should teach. I'm like, I just kind of I I've only been doing this a year. She's like, no, you should teach. You you need to talk to people. You need to be in front of people, and that will help you learn more and be more inspired to dig in more and learn. And you just teach basic classes. So I did, and 
it just came naturally and it was fun. And so I still do. And that's how I kind of really got into studying the runes and finding out different ways that people, because everybody I read, most everybody I read has never had a rune reading before. So I'm constantly explaining and showing how to do it. So I thought, well, yeah, I should write a book. Everybody tells me you should write a book. I, I did have a book before they got a hold of me to write this book. I already was working on a book for a, a year called Rune Weaver, all about, not about history, not about mythology really, but really about my philosophy of using runes in a modern age, which tends to sometimes rub people the wrong way. But I uh, then I got this call, this email to submit to write this book for this publishing company. And it was great. It, you know, that's the way fate works. Things happen and you, and where I wanted to write a book, but I couldn't really do it myself. I had too many other things going on to really put the focus into it. And then I get this opportunity to write this book where they take care of all that stuff. So I didn't have to worry about getting it published on Amazon or doing the publishing or anything like that. Uh, they gave me the outline and uh, I added to it and uh, they let me write what I wanted to write um, within the context of the space they were allowing me. So I've seen some of the reviews where they're like, well, he didn't really go in much into the history or the mythology. I'm like, yeah, because I never wanted to. It was not part of my original idea. I don't know that much about, uh, I'm not as learned as, as where, you know, I'm not an archaeologist or I'm not a, a purveyor of, a, I mean, I've, I've read all this stuff. I've done all the studies, but I'm not one to actually go and teach other people about the history and the and the mythologies and things like there's so much better resources. What I can tell people about is how to use runes now, how, how you will love using runes now, even if you don't know anything about the mythology, even if you don't know anything about the history of runes, it doesn't matter. Um, the more you use runes, the more you'll mythology actually has a lot to do with the meanings of the runes because of the metaphor of all of Norse mythology and Norse mythology is, Basically, all the gods combined make one human being, and it's the same with the runes. You pull them all together, and you look at every single rune's meaning, those are all one person. So when you lay them out and do divination with them, they pull out those aspects of yourself, very, very specific aspects of yourself that you need to focus on. So, so yeah. Well, well I want to I go back for a minute and talk about, uh, mention something that you had talked about, which was the best way to learn is to teach something. And um, I can 100% verify that is true. Uh, I was a teaching assistant for a psych 101 class at my local university. And that was actually like the very first um, unit that the students were taught was about that concept of that's like the best way to shape something in your mind to be able to learn about it is to pretend as if you have to teach it to another person. Mm -hmm. um, so when you mentioned that, it threw me back to my TA days <laughs> when I was working at the, at the university. I was like, right. yep, that's, that's very true. I taught that to a, a lot of uh, freshman students and yep. <laughs> and I mean, you should be qualified enough, but I feel like if you're teaching something very, you know, just a basics people, sometimes people are afraid to just teach the basics Yeah, and be okay and open to like, this is all I know right now. I'm teaching you because I want to learn more. So when you're, you're sharing this information, just like a, I was in a band and we had a record and I, and I wanted to be on the radio, you know? So I became a DJ at the local college, got my band on the radio, you know? So to me, it's like, you want to get involved in, uh, in different things. We'll just be a part of it. You want to be involved and get into a scene, say maybe a community of, of uh, people that practice metaphysical stuff. Well then go and do the events. Go and show up at, the, at some of the events that they're having um, and then and do that. But, you know, if you don't know the basics, then, then teaching might be kind of difficult. I know a lot of people that just start out doing artwork and they're posting it all as if they, you know, and I'm like, well, yep, keep doing the artwork. Keep doing the artwork. Shouldn't teach yet, but keep doing the artwork. <laughs> so uh, I know that you mentioned, you know, the history aspect of it isn't so much like what the book's about, but did you ha come across any misconception or, or myths about runes that you dispel in your book or anything when you were kind of writing this all out? Yeah. And that was a big, that was a big goal for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of a guy named Arth Harger. Harger. He's on YouTube. You can find him there. He's been doing this for years. He's a, he's a scholar, a historian, an archeologist kind of thing. And he does a lot to dispel rumors of all the modern concepts, most of it. And here's the thing that runes are, you know, I'm constantly doing that to, to make it sure. Yes. <laughs> constantly doing that. Runes are modern. Rune divination is modern. 
those, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, there's a lot that we that we get confused. Everything you see on television about Vikings is incorrect, from the armor to the clothing to the attitudes. Everybody gets those those great helm of awe uh, symbols and the Vig Vasir tattooed on them, and they say it's a Viking. That's not Viking at all. It's 200 years past the Viking age, and it's Scandinavian magic symbol based off of that. So there's a lot of things that you'll find in the Norse community that, um, and people are talking about tradition and all the, all this, which is totally fine if there is one, but there's not a lot we know about it. There's not a lot that we know about, uh, how they used runes, how they, besides carving the rune stones and using them as an alphabet. We don't know anything about how they did Scandinavian magic or Norse magic with it. And, um, all, everything that was written down was written way after the Viking age and was written by pa- the post-Christian Christianization of, of it. So it's, you really got to dig, you really got to look and get a lot of different opinions. If you're getting into any type of, to me, metaphysical practice, um, especially runes, you should have 10 rune books in your library. If you're studying runes, you should really get, because every author gets information downloaded to them from source that they need to know and they need to uh, express. So every author has a slightly tweaked, a uh, little different message for each rune. And, and sometimes you need that instead of this one kind of thing. So I always tell everybody, get as much information as you can. Watch everything that um, that you possibly can too, as far as study goes, because it's all out there. You just got to find the right ones that will really, you know, which depends on what you want, the truth or do you want the stories and the fun so- traditions. <laughs> so during your your time of just learning about runes and everything, have you come across any like really interesting historical anecdotes or stories related to the use of runes? Hmm. No. <laughs> Actually not. Really. <laughs> no, other than the fact that um, you know, just I like the stories, the mythology of the discovery of the runes where Odin, you know, because none of the Norse gods are, you know, maybe Balder, but none of the Norse gods are great. I mean, they they are it's a brutal mythology and it's 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 fun. But, you know, Odin is a constant seeker of wisdom and knowledge and will do anything pretty much to gain it. Um, and so he hung himself on Yggdrasil for nine days and nine nights, stabbed himself in the side with a spear and looked down into the well of Nimir and to gain the knowledge of the runes is how the story goes. Sounds brutal, but um, once he uh, got done with that and fell from the tree, uh, he had the knowledge of the runes. Freya then comes and uh, also has... From what I know, that Freya was the one that kind of taught the magic, the runic magic. She's more of the the seed, where she's the uh, the magic, the goddess that that works the magic. And, and Odin actually used the runes uh, to gain knowledge and whatnot, and, and insight. But know that the the Elder Futhark is just one. They found the Elder Futhark, Futhark on one stone, and it's just in one line. But that's not all the runes there are. There's there's many different uh, runes of, like I said, gone over for five thousand years. So you have the Anglo-Saxon runes, the Younger Futhark, Elder Futhark. Well, you have witches' runes now. You have all sorts of things. But but I like this. I like the story of the creation of the runes, and I try and imagine that in a way that um, just kind of brings in the the mythology to how it was given to us now. I think so. As far as other weird stories now, I only have my own. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I will say that story about Odin, honestly, that's about on par with mythology in yeah. general for how brutal the, some of these stories were. Yeah. I mean, there's, and you know, when you're doing this, I still work with gods. I mean, I've had to deal with that when I worked at uh, Next Millennium Bookstore, when we had people coming in there and it wasn't just a retail gig. You were helping people every day. I've helped people with demons. I've helped them with all, any, any type of, we had to learn about, I had to learn not only Norse mythology, but Greek mythology. And, you know, there's uh, African deities, there's Egyptian deities, and they all kind of tend to work together. I've had people sit down in front of me and they're, they're strictly in the Egyptian pantheon, yet they're getting a rune reading from me. Or they're Christian. They ask me, could I get a, you know, is this bad? I'm like, well, no, everybody, they're all, Christianization happens. So yeah, they're all Christians anyway, but no. To me, the mythologies that go with anything and, and mythology is linked to runes, I think, really, uh, I mean, th- those two are, are linked together. I mean, I can't really think of a mythology that's linked to a tarot. But uh, 
But for the runes, the reason why the mythology is linked to it is because that's how you get some of the descriptions of the runes. I mean, even with on Zeus, Odin's rune. So now you go back in and you start thinking of Odin as a person. Odin, his endless, almost detrimental search for wisdom and knowledge, Hugin and Moonin on his shoulders, flying around the nine worlds, giving him all this wisdom and information. So when you're telling people about this rune, it's all about that. It's all about, hey, communication, listening, finding out information rather than going on half, half cocked like Thor. But So you can use the gods in the mythology to describe to people and give them the metaphors they need for what the runes are, are telling them. So that to me is how I use the mythology. Uh, when, I, when I'm giving a reading, you know, everything from Thor, you know, you, oh, you have Thurisaz, okay, well, now think about Thor as, as, as in the mythology. He's the god of mankind. He'll help you plow your fields, drink with you in the tavern. That's why they have the little pendants, Mjolnir. He would shrink it down and put it in his pendant so he didn't, you know, disrupt anything. But then when the village was uh, attacked by giants, he'd be the first one out there. The first one. And it's he's not a war god. He wasn't about war at all. He was about defense defense of the people that he cared about. Uh, and he wouldn't back down either. It doesn't mean never, nobody ever heard of Thor going, well, yeah, these guys are real big. I'm really tired. I think I'm going to take a break and get out of here. So no, it's always about that. So when you're relaying that story in a way to somebody, when they're looking at this rune, how is this rune affecting my life? You can, they can get a picture of it. No, yeah, you have courage. It's about courage and strength and helping other people, protection, uh, power, and knowing even if you may not win, you're going to go and do it anyway. Bravery, courage. So those kind of things, the mythologies really help solidify those meanings and help people understand, even if they don't know anything about runes. They certainly know about the Norse gods more than you would imagine. I bet, so, yeah. I mean... That said, though, are there any ethical considerations or best practices that users should keep in mind when using runes for divination? Ethical. Hmm. Well, for one, I always say that, um, I guess, I don't know. That's an odd question. Not an odd question. It's a good question. And if it's odd, yeah. Uh, Mainly, I always, and I think I've put this in the book too, you're going to come across people, if you're doing divination for others, you're going to come across people who have some serious issues that are beyond the scope of divination. They're there for the wrong reasons. You'll know this when you start. Man, they, they, have, they need different stuff than what you can give them as a diviner. That, that's kind of thing. When I, when I notice that in a reading, then I'll try and uh, turn the reading into more of a, like it's, you know, going to support them in their endeavors and comfort them, give them as, as an assistant kind of, uh, you know, here's some assistance, here's some guidance, but you really should never, uh, I think if you see a person that has some serious problems like suicide or hurting themselves or anything like that, you really should encourage them to go and seek outside help along, you know, with everything else. That would be the only moral implication I, I, I would say, um, and note that, you know, when you're reading stuff in the future, it's always a heads up. There's only 24 runes. And if your your guides are with you and they're trying to tell you and all you get is this weird guy with runes on the other side to tell you, your person what they need to know, they're going to give you these runes and they may be reversed, you know, and you don't have to be scared of that, but they may be reversed in the future. And really that's a heads up. They're kind of holding up a sign saying, hey, look, this could happen, but now you know. Now you've asked for help. So yeah, it's reversed because... If you don't take action, that's going to happen. So I usually try and let people know that, yeah, you're in, you're in control of your own destiny and things like that. But no, it's 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 rare to come up with something incredibly. I've never really had too harsh of a uh, experience with people with with runes like that. I've had I've had some very intense moments talking with clients about issues when I was working at the store with the, you know, I would help them with crystals and I, do, I have a lot of those things in my book uh, that correspondences, herbs, crystals, and things like that. Do a lot of crystal work. And, and I think you really need to, you know, there was a situation, I'm wearing a little, little elf ears you know, when I'm in the store. I, I wear this all the time for my own thing, but this girl, this this uh, woman that I didn't even know would come up when we were talking about stones and she looked very troubled. She uh, told me that, I, I mean, I don't know why. I have no idea why. And you're going to find this if you start doing readings like that too. But I have no idea why she connected with me, but she started talking to me and saying that she was thinking about taking her own life. 
And she was thinking about taking her kid's life too with her. Oh, that's, that's an outside professional help type statement. Oh man. Yeah. And, and I would normally, I would have, uh, I would have said that, but I think what I found, what I told her was I go, okay, I go, that seems normal. And she looked at me strangely and I go, well, you're a mother, right? The, you're, as a mother, you want to protect your children more than anything else in the world. That includes suffering from your death. And the one way you're thinking about it, if you're suicide, you're going to think about taking your, of course, that's totally natural, totally normal. Fact is, you're not going to do it because you're talking to me right now. And I know you're not going to do it. You feel guilty that you even thought of it. And I go, you shouldn't. And then you should just let it go. You just want to wear those pants for a minute just to make sure that you didn't want that. And somebody would tell you. And she's like, she was in tears. We were both in tears. And she was like, you're the only person that took that point of view. I feel so much better. I don't, I don't feel, you know, yeah, I don't. I can wear them for a bit and then I don't have to wear those pants. I don't have to. And yeah. So things like that you're going to run into. And I think it's, uh, it's important to not be judgmental. And I think it's important to really know your limitations as a reader and what you're qualified to do. And yeah. And then there's people that are just like addicted to getting readings. So you'll get them. Weepy. <laughs> They'll come back every other day trying to go. So what do I, what should I do today? I'm like, you know, I don't know. God, I'm tired of it. I've seen that episode of My Strange Addiction with uh, the people who've had a loved one pass on, and every day they're calling the psychic hotline. <laughs> right. It's, it's yeah, crazy. And that's the thing. I have had interactions with it. I mean, I, I tell people that I'm not a psychic medium. I don't claim to be a psychic medium. I don't want to see your grandmother behind you. Like, hey. But uh, I allow their people to kind of come in. And then my people talk to their people and that's how I get it. And I will like, I will be able to sense if they have people there. I've had grandmas like me for some reason. They, they always are showing up, giving me goosebumps and touching me and stuff. I had a reading once with a couple and they had, I had a celestite stone. It's a little clear stone. It's really good for communicating with spirit. It's really small, about an inch. Had it in my hand given these things. We're talking about their grandmother who had passed away and how much they loved her and all this stuff. And we're going over and I feel the grandma there. I'm like, Oh boy, and I'm getting all sorts of goosebumps. And this is that, like, while we're talking about the room reading itself, I'm holding him. I'm holding it in my uh, hand and I'm talking to this couple. And then all of a sudden I hear a pop and I look down at my hand and I open it up and, and, the, and the celestite stone is cracked in half. And I just, in my head, it took me back. I saw this grandmother reach over with both her hands and like putting it into the other people's hands, the couple's hands. And so I, I took it out. I took one half in one hand and the other half in the other hand. And I reached over. I go, I think she wants you each to have a half of this. And I gave it to him. And then we just lost it. We were like crying. We were like, no, oh, it, it was crazy. Oh my goodness. That is, that is awesome. But and that oh, was good reading. I, I love to, like, we're talking about this during spooky season. It's October now that we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, it feels appropriate. Um, that said, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about, like, how to actually use runes and talk a bit more about your book. So right. stay tuned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, welcome back. So, Wayne, we have talked a bit about the background of runes. So let's get kind of into like the meat and the potatoes of the actual runes itself. So I guess to start, the best question should be, what can readers find in your book? Ooh, all right. Well, in my book, it's, it's a really nice guide to get you started. I tried to add in a lot of things that would, um, well, descriptions that are going to allow you to easily comprehend what they mean. I've added in uh, background information, of course. Uh, how to pick runes, how to care for your runes, how to consecrate them, uh, if you so choose. Again, this is all up to the person. And then um, the one thing that I really liked, that I was so happy that they allowed me to do, was I put in correspondences. I really feel like, because I was working so closely with herbs, crystals, all this other stuff, incenses, powders, oils, all of that, that I'm like, well, God, I use that. I use runes in my candle magic. I use runes to make sigils. I'm like, oh, so... It really worked into it. So I have correspondences in there. You go to each rune, you're going to be able to find uh, like what crystal goes with them, what herbs go with it, what colors, what corresponding tarot cards go with it, so that you can kind of utilize all of that and uh, and put it together in your practice. So that's, that's one of the, my favorite parts of this. I also have for each rune, I've got a spell on the back, and hopefully it'll inspire people to... Uh, to do their own spells and make their own spells with the runes. As you'll see, each spell is kind of themed to that particular rune. Which, uh, if you're hardcore into the Nordic theme and Nordic, uh, you know, I guess, tradition and practices, I've gotten some comments where they were like, I'm more spell-worky than that. And yes, I am, unabashedly. You won't find a whole lot of, of strict things like this is how you have to do them in the book. You're going to find ways to... Uh, not only, you know, talk about layouts, you can do the one, what is it, uh, one, two, three, nine rune layouts, and I'd show you how to do castings, rune drops, different ways, because the, if you have different types of runes, or different shapes, different weights, different thicknesses, different materials, there's different ways you can actually do divination with them besides just layouts. So I talk about that, and then, yeah, and then mainly, I was, I'm most proud of my, uh, interpretations of the runes. I'm hoping that people identify most with those. Regardless of anything else, if they don't get what they want out of the mythology or the history that I didn't write about, then I'm more concerned with the people that are doing multiple types of spiritual practices. And I'm hoping that I wrote it in a way that people can really get a grip on what the meanings of the runes are and how they can expand those meanings as they use them. Yeah, I mean, that sounds great. I do want to come back to the layouts that you mentioned or the different spreads. But let's, I want to go back just a bit. So how can somebody get started with runes, especially if they're brand new to the practice? Like this is the very first time they've ever even heard this, or maybe they saw some different types of crystal runes. So like, what are, what are some of the basic steps and knowledge needed for a beginner? All right, to get started, I first would suggest don't go out and buy the stone runes unless they are flat unless they are kind of uniform on the back. I, I like the stone crystal runes, but they're usually, the runes are not carved in there very well, and they're round. So if you try and toss them or do any type of divination, they will roll everywhere. You won't be able to tell forward and first. So get runes that are basic, that are, you know, rectangular, and, and that, uh, or make them yourself to get started. So you can make them yourself and uh, out of anything, really, to get started with them. Then get a book. I know a guy that wrote one. It's a really good one. You should get it. And uh, get multiple books. Find out ones that you like, that you identify with. And then what I what I have in the book and what, I, what I'm going to be publishing here, hopefully this year, is a journal. But uh, the 30-day rune pool. Uh, and I say that will give you more information than you can possibly get from the book. Because it is, again, experience. Every day you wake up, you have a little journal, you have your bag of runes, you pull a rune, you ask, what rune should I learn about today? And then you pull one rune. 
and look at it. Trace it with your finger. And then you write it in your journal. You write down bullet points of the basic meanings. And then you go through your day and you take it with you. Or you write it on you. And you go through your day and you start to notice you'll see that rune in the environment. You'll see it in the trees, the parking lot. You'll start to experience what that rune's about or see people that are experiencing that rune. And that all helps add. Then you do the same thing the next day. Even if you get the same rune. You do this for 30 days. And you will know more. Even if you, So if you get the same rune, you do the same thing. You write it down in your journal. You do the bullet points. And then you, you know, at the end of the day, you write down what you experienced. Just doing that will open up your world. I feel Just like if you, if you get the same rune every day for 30 days, there's probably something going on. Maybe you should go see a professional about that one. Yeah, that might I've be. had I've had that actually happen to me, though, where I, I have an Oracle deck. And I was constantly pulling the same card over and over and over again. And it wasn't a good card either. It was, it's a deceit on it. And um, I would be with friends and I'd be like, watch, I'm going to pull this card. And, um, and then they would pull cards for me because they're like, oh, maybe you're just recognizing how it feels. And they would also pull that card for me too. Um, And turns out there was somebody in my life that was being deceitful and it ended up being a really big thing. Actually, the only person to not pull that deceit card uh, when, because I I remember specifically, we had like a group of my friends doing it. The only person to not pull that card for me was actually the one who was being deceitful. I was going to ask you that. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> they were the only one to not pull it. And I'm, I, which is kind of ironic because I mean, this card obviously had a lot to say, yeah. but I guess the one person who was doing it was masking. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so, so with runes, so you cast them, right? So you just like throw them out of the bag. Do you throw like the whole bag? Do you just take a handful? Like, what does that process look like? All right, so there's different ways to do this. Say you're doing it for yourself. I like to cast for myself, actually, uh, rather than do a layout. Uh, and yeah, that I tell that in the book, too. Depending on the kind of runes you have, uh, if they're small enough, I usually grab a handful in the bag, or I take nine runes. I just randomly pick nine, shake them to my hand, and I drop it on the rune cloth. So there's a couple of... I call that a rune drop. And what I use is a spiral or you can just imagine a spiral there, but um, that's how you can tell the forward and reverse. I have this on my on my, my YouTube channel as well, uh, different layout techniques, casting techniques, and drops. Uh, but that's what I usually do for that. Casting, yeah, you kind of, you set up the parameters first. Say, I'm going to read the runes closest to me as the, as the past, farthest from me as the future. Again, you pick up your handful of runes or nine and you just cast them across the floor. Usually I will I'll put down a, a, a runner or a mat that I want to do it on. Yeah, I don't want to break the rune in half. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could do it on carpet and people, you know, it, it, that's or on the ground, you know, it doesn't matter. But um, it's got to be flat so that you can tell if the runes are reversed or, or, or not. Uh, the reversed runes are usually pretty apparent if you have horizontal lines that you imagine going across the playing field, you might say, you can tell if they cross that path, they're reversed. So that's another way of doing a a toss. And then what I do for other people is I do a layout. So I will uh, take the runes in a stack. I've got either a rune bag or a bowl, or I have these larger rune tiles that you'll see on the YouTube channel that I use, and I'll stack those, and I'll just do my intentional there. So I'll give a little intention beforehand, and then I will run my hand over them. I spread them all out. I run my hand over it. And then when I feel the energy from it or whatnot, I pick that rune up, place it. So I do three runes for the past, three runes for the now, and three runes for the future. Turn them over like a book. You can get the uh, the uh, forward and reversed. Um, so yeah, there's, there's many different ways to do that. Um, you can get an answer quickly. If you just want a yes or no answer, go ahead and just reach into your bag. Pull out a rune or pull out a couple, maybe three, and then you can toss those and see if they're positive, see if they're negative. Um, yes or no's, you can do those layouts as well. A three rune layout's great. That's a great one to practice. So just pick out three runes and you don't even have to worry about the forward or reverse. Just pull three runes, lay them out, one for the past, one for the now, one for the future. And then you can kind of read them like a book. It would be like kind of Percy Jackson. I always see that now, where they were like, all of a sudden the words would go, and they turned into English. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what you see in the room. <laughs> so with the runes, you mentioned, so the three, which I can get the past, present, future, which reminds me a bunch of like tarot spreads like that. Yeah. With casting, you mentioned uh, nine runes. Is nine kind of like the standard amount of runes that you would use for something like that? 
Yeah, I like that's nine is a sacred number. So, you know, three, six, nine, 12, all, all of those are sacred numbers. Uh, and, and nine tends to be the nine worlds, represents the nine worlds, uh, the worlds of uh, Midgard and, you know, Asgard and all the, the realms of uh, that are all in, inside of Yggdrasil. But yeah, so nine runes also tends to yield a pretty nicely balanced reading. When you do do it, there is always going to be a couple that are, you know, upside down. So you discard those. And you want to get at least, you know, three or four runes for a reading, trying to get a balance. So nine tends to be a really good average number that, that works, but it's also a sacred number. So that's what okay. I think. Yeah. And, and so you had talked about some of the different layouts. Um, so you mentioned, you know, past, present, future, uh, and then using like the lines. And then you mentioned using a spiral. So are, well, I have a question about how the spiral works, but yeah, yeah. Um, getting back to that, uh, would you say that those are kind of like the more common spreads? Are there other common spreads or, or I'm, I'm assuming you probably have a whole list of spreads in your book. That would probably be very useful. I have basic spreads in my book, to be honest. Okay. I, I, I don't utilize a whole lot. I kind of develop my own way of doing it. My own, my own layout. I've read a ton of different books that have lots of different layouts and it seems that's what everybody else does. There are some common ones, but I do show the, uh, the yes or no. So I've got the Hugin and Moonin, which is two. I've got a three rune layout, a nine rune layout, a Hagal snowflake. You might say I used to do that too, but yeah, it's pretty much, I, I think as you go along, you'll find your own way of, of doing it. I haven't really read, I forget how I got the spiral about it. I think I did read that somewhere. I'm not sure. But it's about just tossing the runes down or dropping them. You needed a way to find out what was, you know, past, present, future. And were they forward or reversed? So the spiral is a way to have guidelines, actual lines, that allow you to determine that. And then you do the, the reading as a just a straight layout, uh, straight straight across uh, once you once you do that. Um, layouts, I, again, I don't, I have never seen anybody do the kind of layout I do with the nine runes. With nine runes, you'll see three, three, and three, but the middle runes I use as focus runes. Those are what the, the focus of the time was, whether it's past, present, or future. Then the runes on the right are influencers. And the runes on the right are going to be your personal influence, your inner influence, what your higher self was doing that you didn't know. The ones on the left, or the outside world's influence, influences of other people, the universe, and those things, those forces that are they're affecting you. And so, when you put those all together and how they influence it, kind of explains a few more things. And, and you only get that when you're doing it for a while. So, so just so I understand, with the spiral, is it like you're more of using it just to kind of like trace out the lines of past, present, future, or is it like if it's closer to the center, it's closer to you, sort of thing, sort of thing. Yeah, well, and you can do this without having a spiral of actual lines. You can actually drop this just on a table or floor or whatever, you know, and just imagine a spiral. So starting in the middle of the drop, you start your spiral and you move around and any room that touches it, then you can decide. And I always put it to where I intend for forward to be pointing towards the center of the spiral. So if a rune is turned and it is still fit, you know, it's above that line and it's, you know, towards the center, then that's forward. And again, the ones that are first for the past are going to be the first ones you run into on the spiral. And then it goes out and out and out. And so the future is all the way outside of the spiral. And uh, that way you can, and then you just put them in a line. So the ones you, that every time you pick up a rune, whether it's forward or reverse from the spiral, you put it down and you, you make your line so that you've got, now you've got your story written out there. What is it trying to tell me? What is this story trying to tell me if there's three or four runes? That's the hard part, then picking that up. <laughs> oh, I bet. Okay, so I know like the runes have different meanings with them, of course. And this might be kind of like an obvious or silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So how can runes be used to provide you know, guidance and clarity in everyday life or just like aid in personal growth and decision making? Uh, yes. Well, I think that is a combination of things. That's going to be a combination of you as a reader and your ability. If you're reading for somebody else, it's going to be about your ability to empath what, they're, what they really need to do, as well as being in touch with your people when they're talking to you about what this person needs and what, why the runes are the way they are. The guidance comes from 
confirmation kind of from the past, uh, confirmation of what's happening in the future. And again, sometimes the runes will, like that tarot card did for you, indicate something's up that you don't know about. That can be it. Uh, and in, in the future, you're going to find those heads ups, those those little red flags like, hey, this could be coming up. So the guidance there is like, okay, they're, they're telling you that there could be some legal issues happening coming up, or there could be an issue with a, with a male or, or whatnot. Like if Tiwaz is up there and it's reversed, it's got a couple of different meanings. Usually, and then I think what in my podcast that I've been talking about, this last one is about connecting with the client. You need to ask them, why is this room reversed? Why is this here? If you don't know. Conversation. I've had so many people that are deadpan when I go over the reading. And then as soon as I go, does this make sense? They start crying. Like, yes, all of it. I'm like, oh, great. Woo. It's getting nervous there. I think it's about seeing why they're giving you these heads ups and allowing your higher self to kind of open up and connect. And then you're going to know the guidance. Sometimes people just need to be told things they already know, that their higher self already knows. We make so many decisions in the conscious world, even though our higher self is sitting back there going, WTF, really? You know you shouldn't have that next shot. You know it. You know it. And yet, what did you do? And you're like, hee, hee, hee. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> and you regret it in the morning. Oh, but uh, it's those things. It's, it's about that. So it's, I really can't, I don't know. I don't know how to actually articulate how you finally get to be a, you know, you can explain what the runes mean, but it's different every single time. It's different because the energy of that person sitting across from you is different every single time. Their situation in life is different every single time. And if you can par with them, really open up and get to understand why the runes are there and ask them questions, have a little conversation about the reading, then you can give them that confirmation of what their higher self already knows. That's the way I look at that kind of guidance. I think sometimes people too, when they're doing readings for other people, especially when they're first starting out, they get uh, a little nervous to ask their person they're reading for questions. And it's totally okay to be like, so why is this reversed? Because <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why it's like that. Um, yeah, I mean, things like that are really fine. Uh, especially cause usually people have a lot more answers than you realize. Right. We're not here to be, uh, to tell them they're everything they already know, just to confirm that we're real and that we're authentic. It, it's like, no, you came to me, you're paying me to give you a reading. And, uh, you know, it's that, so yeah, to me, it's about that kind of openness, guidance and communication or openness and communication to give you the proper guidance, words to articulate the guidance for the person. But yeah, it never fails. And that was something that I didn't really see in a lot of other readers. They would just, uh, sometimes I had people tell me, yeah, I went to this person and she read me and just da 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 And I didn't even get to say a word. And I was like, oh my gosh, red flag there, don't do that. <laughs> so it's all about communicating with the client and 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 doing that because there are, it's one symbol on each tile. So you have to ask them sometimes. A lot of yeah. times what I do is I'll just tell them what I see. I'm like, okay, did this happen? Or are you going through this kind of thing? And they'll look at me like, what? I'm like, okay, okay, we'll get back to that. Go to the next one. So each one in the past leads to the future, leads to the now. Usually whatever they did in the past, you'll see some sort of change when it comes to the now. And then where are you going for the future? People tend to have bigger expectations than what a reader could give them because they, you know, they want you to solve all their problems. But yeah, and also we can Hollywood. Only show them yeah, <laughs> Hollywood doesn't help that either. No. Uh, so, what are some practical tips or exercises that you recommend for readers who want to just kind of deepen their understanding and proficiency in rune and divination? Maybe not even like giving readings for other people, but just for themselves. Unless that is one of the things of advice of kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the episode of teaching other people. Teaching. So, but yes, yes. What are what are some uh, what's some advice you have for somebody who I, wants to learn more? I think the first step is definitely just getting to know the runes. Find rune set that you like. First step, step one, uh, feels good in your hand and then stay with it. Like put it by your nightstand, treat it like your friend, put the pack by your nightstand and, and sleep with it. And then carry them with you. Look at them every day and just look up what they mean. See if you can do that. You know, to me, it's about getting to know the runes and then get to know more about the mythology and get to know more about, um, the things you can do with the runes, come up with your own versions of it. But I think the first step is really just getting a set that you like that inspires you. You're not going to, you know, if the set's okay and you're like, yeah, this is cool. You're, you're not going to continue to do it unless you're super called to it. 
So find a set that you really enjoy and then practice on yourself. You don't have to put any intention into it. You can practice dropping them, tossing them. You can practice just pulling them out and, and laying them down and saying, okay, if I had this layout, here's three runes. What is it? What would this mean to somebody? And practice that way. There's not a whole lot to read into. I mean, each rune has multiple different meanings based off of where they are in the layout for what person you're reading, but just doing it on your own. Yeah. Again, you don't have to put any attention to it. You don't have to worry about pulling up a bad rune. And you don't have to worry about, oh, things are going to happen if I keep pulling runes for myself. And it's, it's not about that when you're first starting. Just get inspired. Read some books. Do some fun magic with it. Write them on your hands. Carry them around with you. You don't even have to do divination with them at all. Just use runes as part of your daily uh, ritual. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like seeing if you like the the motions of it, of like picking up the stones and, mm -hmm. and throwing them or casting them versus uh, somebody with tarot just holding out a deck of cards and... <laughs> Right. I guess the equivalent with that would be like 52 pickup. Maybe not 52, maybe nine pickup. Yeah, right. pick <laughs> oh, gosh. About using them and, and about just being inspired by them. And then all it is is the mythology and the meanings, putting them into that. Then you grow from there. Literally, I've had runes change their meanings over courses of years. Every time I do a huge event where I'm reading multiple, like this last one, I did 30 people in a course of a weekend. I've had... Every time I do this, when I have one room that stands up and says, I'm now different and expanded. I'm like, okay. But it does that. You'll find different analogies that you can use. And like, oh my gosh, this means something completely different. But it's only after working with them and practicing with them for quite a while that you can get that. Yeah, so. you really have to have some experience, I think, as a reader to um, understand what the runes mean and then understand how... Uh, they can change their meaning regardless yeah. of, of it might seem very black and white. That's usually not how divination works. Nope. But it's like I said, if you want to just get into it, just start working with them, take them with you, make, make the bind runes to express, uh, you know, some interest in, in like, Oh, I don't write them on you for luck or carry them with you or make your own talisman. Maybe you want a, a Thor, you know, Thurisast talisman, or you want something to, you know, from Freya, Lagos or whatever to take with you. So you can be like water do those. You don't even have to read them for anybody else, but knowing the meanings allows you to create things that would uh, have intention that could go with you. <laughs> That's very fair. So aside from your book, of course, can you recommend any additional resources or you know, books or podcasts or videos for listeners who might want to explore this world of runes a little bit further? Absolutely. Well, I've got, um, I mean, Besides mine, I've got the YouTube channel for Runeways, and I've got a uh, podcast for Runeways where I teach the basics, show people how to do stuff. I was inspired by Arth Harger, which you can find him on uh, YouTube. Lots of information of all different types of stuff. But you want to learn what was real and what was not real, uh, or no, no, no historical fact, that's the channel to look for, and it's great. Um, other books, my first book was from... Uh, Lisa Pichelle. It's a little white rune book. I think from the 70s, maybe early 80s. I went through three of them. It's small. It's like a pocketbook, but it's fantastic. In my book, I also have some references and resources that I laid out uh, for everybody, the books that I like. Runes for Transformation from uh, Kadrick Olson. He's awesome. Great guy, by the way. He's uh, a lot into the paranormal and whatnot and uh, does shadow work. Runes are fantastic for shadow work. Trust me, you know I don't want to talk about it, but yes, it was great. <laughs> um, so anything from Kadrick, uh, of course, you know, getting the Eddas, the pros Eddas, uh, getting the Eddas and reading those is great. And then if you want to learn more about mythology, there's lots of good mythology books out there, but Neil Gaiman's a Norse Gods book, it's fantastic. Fantastic the way he recreates and rewrites the, the mythologies and the stories of the gods. The audiobook is fantastic because he sounds like Snape. He, not, not even that. He just, his <laughs> voice is just awesome to listen to. I listen to it over and over and over. But that book right there gives you a really good in-depth and a good picture of the mythology. And hence, the more you learn about the mythology, the more you're going to realize, oh, this is how this rune works with the other runes. And this is why this is this way, why the meaning is this. This is why it means knowledge. This is why it means water. This is why it means protection. This is why it means vitality. Oh, so you'll understand it there. But Neil Gaiman's book is amazing. And then uh, 
Oh, yeah. I, all I would say is just keep doing research out there. There's, I don't have many more I, that I remember, but I have a big collection of books, lots of podcasts, and there's lots of stuff on TikTok and Instagram, but be careful of those. I yeah, go for more of the yeah. historical ones. There's some plenty of people out there. Boy, these kids have a lot more motivation than I did when I was their age. They're basically doing book reports and putting them online, you know, as a video and as a thing. I'm like, excellent. This is perfect. But you can learn a lot about the history and whatnot, which I think I encourage everybody to do. Learn a little bit about their actual history. Not what's been told to us by Hollywood or things like that. Yeah. And that involves getting your hands dirty sometimes. Yeah, it does. So, Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. Where can we find your book and where can we find you in the Internet? Ooh, yes. All the internets. Yes, I have all most of the socials. So you'll find Runeways. I'm under Runeways. Uh, you'll find that on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and YouTube, my YouTube channel as well. And then my book, you can find, oh, and I have the, of course, website, runeways.com, which I have some other resources and information on there. My book, you can find on Amazon. And if you have it, leave a, leave a review. But yeah, you can find it on Amazon or wherever I happen to be reading in the Omaha, Nebraska area. So Awesome. Uh, I want to give my social information, but then I have a question for you at the very end to wrap Excellent. up. Uh, but if anyone wants to find me, I am on Facebook as Seeking Witchcraft Podcast. Uh, seeking witchcraft podcast. Yes. Uh, I have a Facebook group called Witches Seeking Witchcraft. If you have any questions uh, or about the episode or want to talk about it, please feel free to comment it there. I am on Twitter, which is now known as X, which sounds so wrong to say, but I am on <laughs> X at Seek Witchcraft, Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft, and I have a Patreon, uh, which is Seeking Witchcraft Podcast. So those are some places you can find me. But Wayne, my last question for you before we wrap up is if you can give one piece of advice to a beginner about anything, doesn't even have to be about runes, what would it be? Ooh. Don't be afraid to experience life. I that, love that. That would be it. Like I, I was told that I'm in one of my last, if not the last lifetime. I've lived hundreds and hundreds of lifetimes and I'm just here to have the human experience and everything that entails, the good, the bad, the ugly. But don't be afraid to experience the life, you know? You, a lot of people tend to not do things because they uh, are intimidated or think they're not good enough. The self-esteem isn't there or they just are scared of new things. And for me, eh, experience it all. So that would be it. Grab whatever in, inspires you, whatever you trust your intuition. So find it and experience it however you want to do it. I love that. I was at a bar last night and on the, this, this is related, I promise, but on, on the, somebody wrote on the wall and I meant to take a picture of it, but I completely forgot, but they wrote this quote and it really just like stuck with me and it's related to what you said. And it said, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Right. And I was like, oh man, that's a really good question. And it made me think of like all the things I haven't done yet that I am like. With that, know. you. You have to not be afraid of failure. Yeah. You have to look at failure as a as the learning experience. And it sounds cliche, but I'm 55 now. I'm like, oh my gosh, dad? But yes. But right. Just don't. I, I worked so many different things. Like I said, I was an artist, a musician, and all that. And I used to ask, I used to ask my grandma who passed away, like, why am I doing all these things? Why can't I ever get to that level of one thing? I realized after doing a, a bunch of people that reading a bunch of people that I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have all this life experience, didn't try these things and maybe failed or maybe didn't let them go and didn't return to them. But there's no way I can have people across from my table looking at me, asking me for advice when I haven't experienced at least a little thread of what they are going through in whatever capacity. So experience life and treat it not as your own life, but you're doing it to learn about human life. So you can identify with so many different people because you've got all these different experiences. Yeah, you tried and failed. If you succeeded at everything you did, nobody would want to talk to you because you'd be an arrogant prick. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I love I love the deepness to end all the episode. Now, now I'm going to go sit and journal about this and right. <laughs> do some shadow work. No, I'm kidding. Oh, oh gosh. Well, Wayne, it was such a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I recommend everybody listening to this, please go buy his book, Wayne Brecky, Complete Guide to Runes amazing conversation. I love talking with you today. I think this was awesome. Oh, it was a pleasure. I love it. You're a great interviewer and I like this show. So Thank subscribe. You. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> like, subscribe, leave a review, all that. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, to everybody listening, I hope you learned 
a bit about runes. I know I certainly did. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Take care. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.